sort of like me trying to go anal with my first girlfriend. I thought it was going to be the first time I was going to go anal. We started doing some work, but then there was some negotiation breakdowns and then we never got there. And then of course, you know, we're now we've moved on. There's a very delicate window to anal. God damn it. Really? Hey everybody. Welcome to I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. I feel like it's the same window that menage a trois are in as well. Yeah, exactly. Like you can, you can early on in a relationship when it's all fun and games and you haven't committed, you know, you haven't put all your money down where you can be like, you know what? Let's see what's in the Browns in the Brown pocket. (laughs) And then, or let's, let's invite another lady to join in on the fun. Of course, never another dude, because that's a whole different story. That's the devil's, triangle and nobody nobody wants to deal with the devil it is such a fun time like i was telling a friend of mine this he's newly divorced and was married for a very long time so he's he's this whole new world's open to him now and he's pretty good looking dude pretty smart guy so he's he's enjoying a lot of time with a lot of people this is one girl he really likes a lot he might even be throwing the l word around a little bit but she has a boyfriend and He's very much like, I don't care that she has a boyfriend. Who cares? I'm like, yeah, you're two months in, dude. You're going to care that she has a boyfriend at some point. Well, it's a lose-lose situation because if you end up falling in love with this chick who's got a boyfriend, guess who the boyfriend is next time? You, baby. You. People don't change. (laughs) People are the same if you marry a whore. She's going to be a whore. She's not going to like settle down because of your ass. Well, and he just, I'm like, I get it. You don't care now. I mean, when I first got with my wife, she was living in a house with two dudes, which is no problem. But one of the dudes was like obsessed with her, like was in love with her to a creepy degree. I didn't give a fuck. (laughs) Yeah, because she's not going out with them. No, but he could have. That's his problem. He could have murdered. I'm just saying there came a point when, to use your language, I started putting some money down. I started really investing. I started falling in love. I started seeing a future with this person. And there came a point when I was like, yeah, you're getting out of that house. Sorry. Time for you to get out of the house yeah, with a guy well, that, that might kill you because he can't have you. At a certain, Yeah. At a certain point, what are you doing with roommates? Exactly. Get out of there. Get your own place. That's, that's late teens, early 20s. If, if at 25, you still got roommates, what are you doing? Yeah. What's going on? Figure it out. Fix the problem. Move forward into adulthood. But there is that window when every everything's on the table, everything's possible, and you don't you care enough to be in it, but you don't care enough about some of the externals. Yeah, you think it's all fun and games, and uh, it is. It is for for a, while. for a minute, yeah. But then at some point, man, at some point your girlfriend's telling you that some bouncer at a bar in Spain is telling her to open her eyes and you realize he's saying open your ass but with a Spanish accent and then that's when the tears are let out of the corral to go go tears 
Go and that's go obviously fr- go, fr- go frolic on the cheeks of young Bo Schnei. But <laughs> that is such a horrible though ex- extreme example. But like what I'm talking about is there's a certain point when you're talking to your new girlfriend and she's like, "Oh, I can't, I can't hang Saturday. I'm going to get coffee with with James." Ooh. And there's a certain point when she says that where you go, "Oh, cool, have fun." Literally, your response is, "Oh, whatever. I don't give a fuck." Then yeah, it transitions yeah. that's into early, early when, that's, you just, when you don't know her, you don't know and you don't care because and, guess guess who you're having coffee with? Jane, Jane. <laughs> you're having coffee with Jane, Nikki, Trisha, and this girl that you're kind of hot for. But there's three different phases. The first phase is, "Oh, I'm having coffee with James. I can't make it to your thing." Oh, okay, have fun. I'll talk to you later. Here's the second phase. Who's James again? <laughs> oh, James is just my whoever guy I went to college with. And, uh, and then you don't ask any further questions. You're like, cool. The third stage is, who's James yeah. again? Oh, this yeah, guy you yeah. dated in college? I'm not loving it. No, those, those were, once you get, once you get monogamous, once you're, once the car that you're in has two people and there's no other people in that car. Once you're legally using the hover lane. Once you're in the fucking HOV lane with the person that you're into, you don't want to look in the back seat and see old James smoking a cigarette back there. <laughs> what the fuck? Who's that guy? Oh, he's my old college friend. We hooked up a couple times, but we're just good friends now. Yeah. Bye, bye, James. <laughs> Get out the car. But what would you say? Obviously, me and you agree on this. Um, but what would you say to the the idea? I've had gotten some pushback from some of my friends talking about this stuff. Where the idea of like, hey man, you don't own anybody, dude. Your your spouse isn't your possession. I'm like, I know, dumbass. I'm not saying I own anybody, but we use the language of love. The language of love is what I've I've given myself to you. I'm yours. We. It's like saying the sun rises and falls. The sun doesn't do shit. The sun doesn't move, bitch. We move around it, but we have all this language around, oh, the sunrise, the sunset. Yes, in a relationship, I'm yours and you're mine. But I think that, I think there are people that are forgetting that the language of possession is really more just poetic. But there, that's the sense that we're tapping into is once you have committed to one another, these ancillary relationships, I think you have a right to be concerned or to you you're putting into something. So I think you you relinquish some of your rights to not become somebody's possession. Dude, everything it's you know what it's all it all boils down to? It's real easy. The math is real easy on these things. You know what it's called? The golden rule. Do unto us as you would have us do unto yas. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know what an inappropriate relationship is. I know, but what if... See, I've run, I've run into this in my particular deal. What if your boundaries are different than the other person? So, like, what if they're doing something that's you're uncomfortable with? Who knows what it is? It doesn't matter. And then you say to them, well, how would you feel if I did that? And they go, I don't even give a fuck. Then you're stuck. Because yeah, it, well, can't, it can't really just be that either. It's got to be like, look, you have to deal with me. And I come with my whole history of you come with your own unique dials for what you're comfortable with in a relationship. Yeah, there's it's got to be reasonable, but it can't be they don't lay on top of each other 
and match up perfectly all the time. Right. Well, one of my one of my best friends is a girl that I used to hook up with back in the nineties. Now we haven't hooked up in twenty five years, but she's a really good friend of mine. She's married. She's got a kid, and I really enjoy talking to her. And I don't talk to her that often. You know, like maybe every few months we'll catch up. And I really enjoy that relationship because it's fun and I get to be a certain type of person with, with her and it's, there's nothing romantic about it, but there is a mutual admiration that we both have for each other. I really admire how smart and funny she is. And I think she feels the same way about me. And so I enjoy that relationship. It's very uncomplicated because there's no, there's nothing, there's nothing there's no romantic part to it. There's no, you know. Is it really devoid of any of that for real? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Right. 100%. Okay. And so, but I know that. But now, if my wife had the same relationship with some guy that she hooked up with 25 years ago, then I'd be like, well, you were seven. <laughs> so that's real bad news. Um, Yikes! But she she has she had a relationship with some guy who I didn't like the relationship at all. It, it felt very inappropriate, and I was like, "Hey, look, I think this is an inappropriate relationship." Because they were texting back and forth, and I was like, "Put me on the text if if there's not." And I would if I had a text with with my friend, I'd be like, "Hey, do you mind if I put my wife on your text on this text?" And she'd be like, "Yeah, no problem." She wouldn't care. I wouldn't care all day long. So my wife puts me on a text with this guy and this guy all of a sudden wants to start chatting with me. And I'm like, that's not what this is about. It's not, it's not time for you and me to become friends. I don't like you or want to be friends with you ever. I just want to make sure that your shit that you're talking to with my wife is on the up and up. And he takes me off the chat and then starts texting my wife without me on the chat. Jeez. And I'm like, fuck this guy. Anyways, turns out the guy was psycho. Anyways, so hopefully, hopefully he doesn't listen to this fucking podcast. <laughs> that whole mock-up you just gave me sounded horrible, like a horrible nightmare. Well, for my wife... Her relationship was very clear cut with this guy, but I, I met the guy once. And when I met him, you know how, when you meet somebody, you just know when I met him, I was like, this guy's in my wife. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, he's not, we're, we've always been friends. I'm like, no, there are guys, you know who they are. They're guys who love. If you're a woman, there are guys that you hang out with who love you, who, who pine for you. You know it. You turn a blind eye to it and you say we're friends. Yeah, I think that's. But women know who that is, who those guys are. I think that yeah, they're either dumb, which I don't believe for a second, or they're they're playing a playing a game. I mean, their 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 relationship with the person is cut and dried. They don't have romantic feelings for them, and because they don't have romantic feelings for them, they're like, yeah, our relationship's cool. And I'm like, I can clearly tell you that that guy's, if he had the opportunity, would be with you. Mm -hmm. but you don't want to be with him and those relationships uh-uh that's the guy in the back seat smoking a cigarette get the fuck out of the car 
Yeah. But I think that's what you, I think you learn that as you get older. And I think, I think it's also about discussing things too. You know, that's the thing about relationships. The key to relationships is communicating, telling your truth in a loving way without being mean or insulting just and then discussing stuff and then figuring out through discussion what you're both comfortable with because ultimately all relationships are agreements between the two people and some people have these polyamorous agreements that i would never want to be in a relationship with i like that with somebody but some people are maybe comfortable with those i've never heard of those working out i don't think those ever work out no i only knew one in real life and and you know it was like a badge of honor for this person they just they you could tell they were kind of smug about it like we've cracked some sort of code on love it was a couple that lived together loved each other were committed to each other but had sex outside of that with a lot of rules they each had respective nights. It couldn't be anyone they knew. Uh, no one, Dude, no one with kids. Just, there were just all these rules, right? Just saying all that just sounds so gross and horrible. Well, and then what happened was one of them fell in love with one of these people that they were. Fucking. Of course, imagine That's what imagine happens. that, and it was like devastating to. Of of course, the whole friend group and the obviously the people and you know I think you just you try to find someone you try to throw in, and I think that what you give up to be with someone refines you as a person, but that it can take, I mean, it took me a really long time to figure out how to behave within all that. Well, you have to, it, it's not, you're not born with this information. You're born in blank slate. You have your parents who usually suck at relationships mm-hmm. as your role model. Right. They don't teach it in school. I went to a rehab place where they taught me what a real relationship is, what an intimate sexual relationship is, what what you should expect from your partner, what they should expect from you. I'd never heard any of that stuff. Was some of that a revelation to you? It was all a revelation. I didn't know any of it. It seems like you have to have a good balance of letting your partner know how what they do affects you, which is just something you have to deal with in a relationship. You just can't right. get a blank check for your whole life and be like, I don't belong to you. I'm not yours. You're not mine. It's like, no, we're in a relationship. So sorry, you have to deal with it, whether it's true or not or reasonable or not. And if you're the person that is offended, which is me a lot in my relationship, to be like, okay, how do I communicate this to my partner in a way that's reasonable where I'm taking responsibility for what might be my part of it and also not putting it on them like that they're responsible for my feelings all the time, which is a, I don't think is true, but B, if you make someone feel that way, I think you're just going to ultimately push them away and self-fulfill what you're scared of in sure. the first place. So it's like it's such a fucking balancing act of getting all that done in a way that the other person doesn't want to run from it. They want to move towards you and help, you know? Yeah. I mean, for me, group therapy was the thing that I needed to do to learn how to talk about my feelings First in the group where there were low stakes because I didn't have a relationship with anybody in the group. I was going to leave the group, never see them again until the next week. And then I never saw them outside a group. So that was a very safe place to practice doing that. But once I had some practice, then I could go, hey, you know, when you do this, this is how, how it makes me feel. Like I feel this way when you're doing this. And when the other person who cares about you understands oh when i do that it makes you feel this feel bad 
they're much they have there's much more compassion there and there's much more of an opportunity to not do that so often because they care about you but when you say hey you suck cuz you're doing this and that that really sucks when you do that like that doesn't all the other person does is just gets defensive immediately and then they they're like hey I'm not a horrible person you're the horrible person you know what i mean it just starts yeah. this chain reaction of defense and attack so if you just lead with your emotions and say hey look this is how i'm feeling when this happens you're not saying hey what you're doing is wrong you're not saying hey you got to stop doing this or else you're just saying you're just telling them the truth which is this is how i feel right and if you can leave it at that man you're you've mastered relationships well and i guess the scary thing is that they through their actions or whatever even just plainly they'll say i don't care that's like the ultimate fear that's the vulnerability of saying that to your partner but what actually does happen unless you're in a toxic relationship well that gives them the opportunity they can either say well i'm really sorry and i really care about you but i don't i can't change this thing that i'm doing or they say well i love you and i'd hate that this makes you feel that way let me try to let me try to tighten up in this area or that area let me move towards you yeah i mean either way it's a win win because you find out like if the person's like hey i don't care about your feelings then you're like well why would i want to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't care about my feelings right horrible you know and then then you're not really even losing anything then if you break up with the person you're like well, I didn't really lose anything because they didn't care about me. It really is. Yeah, it's like it really is kind of a win all around if you lead with that and you just are honest. Yeah. But it's not, it's not, we're not taught that. I didn't learn that. I had to practice it week in and week out for years to get even okay at it. Now, I mean, some people are good at it and I've gotten okay at it. But it took a lot of practice. Didn't come naturally. Well, speaking of what you do hurting other people's feelings, let's unpack the bitch slap heard around the fucking world, <laughs> dude. So, oh my God. so Oscars are happening, and you and I were texting during it. Well, I, I, for, I kind of forgot about the Oscars, and then you texted me your Oscar ballot list, and then I was like, oh, yeah, that's on right now. And then I turned it on, and literally within like four minutes... Chris Rock was on stage. Yeah. And that happened. And I was like, what the fuck? It was really weird to see happen on TV. And I think I texted you this. I think you came on a little earlier because you were you and I were doing some pretty funny Oscar texting. Or maybe it was just after the slap. But I do really feel like without trying to be offensive to anybody, it's the second weirdest thing I've seen on TV after the second plane hitting the World Trade Center which I watched on live TV, just sort of like, what? I will say it's the third weirdest. I would say it's the fourth weirdest thing. Right. I would say World Trade Center Trade Center is number one. Space shuttle blowing up numbers two is number two. OJ Simpson being chased on the highway, number three. Yeah, OJ Chase. And then the bitch slap number. I, I would say that's probably four. So I, I was with two other dudes who are like me and you, smart, kind of progressive, artisty type dudes and it was interesting like the 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 emotion of us trying to process it like one of the dudes that i was with was immediately like that was straight up assault he should he should go to jail i cannot believe that pe police aren't taking him out 
That was like one thing. Another guy was kind of more dumbfounded. I kind of thought there was a little sliver of me that was like, oh, that guy's like, it was like a strange act of heroic chivalry or something. Like it was old school, don't mess with my bitch stuff that you don't see much anymore. There was something about it that was like refreshing or something. Although the truth really is, and this is how ultimately feel, is that it was kind of a horrible display of like privilege. No, everyone was frozen. He definitely didn't deserve to be hit. He was making a joke. It seems like Will Smith's dealing with a lot of shit with his wife who's fucking rappers and their kids' friends and stuff. And I think he he came off looking pretty unhinged. It, it definitely was a lose for Will Smith. It definitely, he was in the L category after all the dust settled on it. For me, it brought up a lot of stuff from my youth. I mean, like the fact that the fact that he wasn't asked to immediately leave, like as soon as it happened, the fact that security guards didn't come and say, hey, you're going to have to come with us. The fact that they let him sit there is fucked up. And and really what it, what it the thing that, I, that came to mind was like, oh, nobody's running this show. There's nobody that's in charge of this Oscars. Like nobody's in charge right now. I think back in, uh, if somebody was in charge, they would have said, hey, go get will and his wife and escort them backstage we're not gonna let him sit there anymore well what's interesting is someone is in charge but what you're taught what played out then was everyone knew he was going to win best actor which is the second biggest oscar of the evening next to best picture sure so everyone knew that so you've got whoever the executive producer was or a team of them going what i'm sure they were going what the fuck do we do i'm sure they were like this sucks they the academy they came out and said that they asked him to leave and he refused to leave then it came out that they're basically lying for optics and that the a producer was sent down to him and said hey will we don't want you to leave because five ten minutes later he was going to win the biggest award of the evening so someone was in charge but i think someone was going what do i do if if i have him removed before we give away the biggest reward to him, am I going to get fired? Is that the right decision? Man, if you got a problem with somebody, something that somebody said, say it. He didn't have to go up there and slap him. He could have just started shouting at him too. It was a bully move. It was a, it was, it was a guy who, for a long time now, obviously, has just run had free run they had a free run and nobody's like saying hey dude don't do that like hey dude don't get fucked up and ride your go-kart in the middle of downtown los angeles but i don't think that's the kind of celebrity he's been at least public facing he, he have, seems you ever, to have, been one, have you ever one, looked at his instagram no no you have not looked at his since i i have i follow him on instagram and he's doing a lot of stuff that's like he's getting fucked up and doing a lot of crazy shit. Oh, really? He's getting fucked I mean, up? Not, su- not super crazy shit, but yeah, he's get, you know, he's having a few pops, doing some stuff. Anyways, that was I don't know what that was. That it was it was it was it was, it was a big mistake. Chris Rock came off looking like a fucking king. He he won. But it for me it brought up a lot of just stuff. I mean, I 
I've I've had four shows. I just did four shows on the road, and every show, I probably got like five or six jokes per show out of that incident. Yeah, because when you're on stage, you're just it's a scary thing to be in front of people. For most people, being on stage is the biggest fear. Right, public anybody. speaking. Public speaking, and the, and the reason is there's something in us, innate, probably some knowledge that's been transferred from back in the old days. But at, at, at any point back in like a thousand years ago, if you were standing in front of a bunch of people speaking, you were usually doing it to defend your life. And if you didn't fucking come up with a good reason for them not to kill you, they were going to kill you. That's why people are afraid to speak in public. Now, that's in our DNA. When you're on stage and you're feeling that way and somebody fucking attacks you, dude, that's the worst feeling in the... There's no worse feeling in the world. I felt so bad for Chris Rock. Yeah, well, 15 million people watching on a stage in front of your peers. Biggest night of in Hollywood of the year. Will Smith, one of the biggest stars of the night, who's about to win the biggest award. And he's a, he's a big buff motherfucker. He's like... It towers over Chris right. Rock. He just, Chris Rock is a tiny little guy. He just slapped you while your arms were behind your back and then went and sat down. He's yelling at you. I thought Chris Rock handled it amazingly. The fact that Chris Rock didn't walk off the stage was amazing. The fact that he didn't just lay into Will Smith because he could have fucked him up. I mean, you don't become a stand-up and do 30 years of stand-up without knowing how to eviscerate a heckler. No, I think he was, I think that's further, you know, a lot of people said it was staged, but I think that's further proof that it was real because he was completely shocked. He was definitely shocked and he was he was caught off guard for sure. But even having said that, he could have, I mean, he could have. But I thought he even kind of quickly, one of the first things he said, well, he, the first thing he said was, first thing he said was, he was like, hey, look, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk about your wife anymore. Let's, let's get on with the show. The first thing he said was, Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me, which right. everyone thought was kind of a joke. But then he looked at Will Smith and he looked incredulous and he said, it was a G.I. Jane joke. Underscoring how insanely yeah. overreactive Will Smith was like, dude, are you serious? Yeah. And then Will Smith said, get my stupid na- joke. And then. And then Wilson was saying, get my name, wife's name out of your mouth. And he was like, okay, I'm going to. And then he goes, well, this is the greatest moment in television history. You know, it's like, I mean, that's definitely the weirdest thing that's ever happened at the Oscars. We saw that well, live. It, it, it definitely, nobody talked about anything else about the Oscars after that. I honestly was really uncomfortable about it. I, I hated it that it happened. I did not relish it happening. It felt well, the only thing gross. The only thing I hated more was then his acceptance speech was terrible. horrible. I know. And they and it went on and on forever. I know. I, it, felt, it felt like when I was in school, there were bullies and they just kind of got their way and nobody was brave enough to stand up to them. Yeah, they just got to win. It, it, it brought all that back to me. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? And and then and everybody like they gave him a standing ovation. No, you don't. You don't do that. But but it just proves how dumb actors are. Actors are they they're good at like reciting lines and they they're not good thinkers. They don't know how to think for themselves. Well, I do think there was a referendum on, you know, the Oscars being this preachy morally we should care more about Ukraine and we should care more about suicide, especially LBDGQ. And we should care more about diversity and we should care about women and getting paid. And, and it's like, Oh, you just watched a guy assault someone and no one did shit. 
Like you guys were all. That was my thing. Was like, dude, if that would have been a dude, if that would have been a chick, like if he, if that was Gal Gadot, and Will Smith went up there and did that, dude, if that would have been a black chick and Willem Dafoe went up there and did that, <laughs> <laughs> oh Willem God. Dafoe, dude. Well, someone talked about oh uh, what if it was like Willem Dafoe such a good choice, but they were like, what if it was a white actor and Jerry Seinfeld? And someone went up and punched Jerry Seinfeld. It doesn't matter that race doesn't matter. What matters is that what the fuck, dude? Kick that motherfucker off the he he fucked up your show. He's cussing at the dude, telling he's saying the f bomb over and over and interrupting the show. Kick that dude out of the fucking place. If it's me, I'm like. Escort him out. I don't give a fuck who it is. I wonder what they would have done about giving him the Oscar if they'd have escorted him out, which just is what say, they should have done. Just say, hey, homeboy won the Oscar. We're accepting it for him. We'll we'll mail it to him. <laughs> he fucked up. Well, then there's a video, an after party video of him at some club holding the Oscar, crying, singing, getting jiggy with it. His wife, nowhere to be found. Not to mention the fact that Will Smith laughed at the joke before. I know. I was about to say that. He laughed. And then he looked at his wife who gave him the fucking sourpuss face. And he's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Guess I shouldn't have laughed at that joke. Well, look, we've come to the conclusion of this episode. But write in bobandclint at gmail.com and let us know what you think about what I'm now calling the bitch slap heard around the world. And I guess, well, are we in the Secret Weekly going to compare our Oscar ballots? Is that the plan? Either that or our dick sizes. Well, that's perfect for both. We can do both in the uh, in the uh, secret weekly. All right. Well, go support the show in the ways that you can. You can tell a friend about it. You can post it on your social media. You do can you notice how sad you. I got when you said that? As soon as you said let's we can compare dick sizes, I I I was like, oh okay, this is what Chris Rock felt like. <laughs> God. <laughs>